Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano gave a full-length interview, substantial interview, in which he revisits the topics of globalism. Of course, he talks about Pope Francis, who he, talk, who he calls Procolio. We might have time to talk about that today. But what's interesting is he also talks about Donald Trump, which we haven't heard Archbishop Vigano talk about in a while. This is the same interview that I covered a couple days ago. I just covered the part where Archbishop Vigano called for an official investigation into, one, the abdication of Pope Ben XVI in 2013. There's a big debate over whether Benedict validly resigned the office of the papacy, the munis of the papacy, in his Declaratio, he resigned the ministerium or the ministry of the papacy. Does that invalidate it? Number two, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano called for an investigation into what he calls the frauds of the 2013 conclave that elected Jorge Bergoglio as Pope Francis. All these things are covered. He also talks about last year's, well, I guess we're kind of still in a pandemic. I don't know what, what the status is right now. He talks about that as well. So there's a lot to cover. Uh, previously, I covered just that small bit. And then I was very blessed. Archbishop Vigano himself sent me an email with the full-length interview translated into English. And so I'm going to go through that full interview. I'm not going to read every line, but I am going to hit the high points. So uh, I think it's going to be an interesting topic. It's going to be a good show as we look at some of the more recent things. Oh, one more thing. Probably the most important thing in this interview is that Archbishop Vigano answers his critics. As you know, I mean, I've been reporting on Archbishop Vigano since day one, since the very first 11-page document came out. And I've gone through almost everything he's published. There's some things, as you know, that I didn't cover for example, when Archbishop Vigano talked about the Canadian truckers, I was like, is that even a show? Is that a podcast? For me, no. But in the last nine months, 12 months, it has become very fashionable to trash and dog Archbishop Vigano. As I mentioned in the show a couple days ago, people like to think of Archbishop, Archbishop Vigano as sort of the crazy uncle. He's got some good points, but kind of crazy uncle. So in this interview, Vigano actually answers his critics, uh, particularly on whether or not Vigano himself, as a retired Catholic archbishop and former nuncio, whether he should be weighing into politics at all, because he talks a lot about politics and globalism. So we're going to look at what Vigano says to his critics today. Before we do all of that, I'd like to invite you to like the video, that is to give it a thumbs up, and to share this video, best place to share it is Facebook. There's a share button beneath. And then if you're new, please subscribe. I do videos at least three times a week, sometimes more. And if you want to be notified, click that bell and you'll be notified when I go live, as I am now. We will begin with the Our Father in Latin, and then we'll jump into Archbishop Vigano. Oremus nomini patris et fidei et spiritus sancti. Amen. Pater Noster. Quies in celi sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum. Fiat voluntas tua, sicut in cello et in terra. Panum nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et dimite nobis debita nostra. Sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos malo. Amen. Nomini Patris et Fidei et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right, welcome everybody who's watching on YouTube. There's also watching live on Facebook and watching live on Twitter. And hello to everyone listening on the audio podcast. Just a reminder, you can listen to the Taylor Marshall podcast on Audible, Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Okay, let's jump into this. Before I do, I want to draw your attention to the quote in the upper right of your screen. George Soros, he says, the main obstacle to a stable and just world order, there's the word, is the United States. The United States is ground zero. And that's a big part of Archbishop Vigano's message. Okay, 
let's look at the interview. Um, again, I'm not going to go through every line of it as I do sometimes with Vigano. This is a nine page interview. So I just want to give you the highlights. So at the very beginning of, oh, and by the way, a special thanks to Aldo Maria Valli. He's the one who conducted this interview originally in Italian and it's now in English. Uh, there's no, no one credited here on, on the translation, but uh, it's a great uh, service to us English speakers to have access to this. So the very first lead questions in this interview by Aldo Maria Valli are first, do you think there is room for political action by those who intend to oppose the dominant aligned thought and fight for the liberty of man as God has created him? Number two, second question. Is it still useful to invest in a national commitment when it has now been demonstrated that the biggest decisions are being made at supra-national level by powerful people who are able to influence and direct the choices of individual nations? Question mark. It's a good question. I mean, we are waking up as Americans and perhaps other people in the world to realize that, you know, voting is not what we thought it was. Uh, we don't get to pick who goes into the primaries. We don't get to pick who gets the funding for campaigns. And as you know, I worked in the Trump campaign in the Catholics for Trump and it's amazing how much funding and money it takes to run for public office, never mind the presidency, because so much weighs on it. And what's interesting, moreover, is how much influence from big money from outside the borders of America influence our elections. We kind of know all that about the Clintons and how much money came from the Arab nations to the Clintons and their campaigns, a little bit also with Obama. And we're starting to learn more now about the connection between the Ukraine and the Biden family and Hunter Biden and all that. It's, it's, we got to admit, it's discouraging to realize that what should be simply voting a majority vote is not surprisingly politicized and by powerful people billionaires and the people who control the media and control online influence. There are certain things that people cannot say on certain platforms or they immediately lose everything they built up. It would be akin to you start a, a company where you sell whatever toys or pick an item and you work hard, you build up a company, and then all of a sudden someone is able to come and board up your store with no notice so that no one can come in anymore to engage with the business that you've built. That's exactly what's happening because everything is moving online and there are gatekeepers online. Okay, so what does Archbishop Vigano have to say about this? He says, Catholics, he begins with Catholics, as citizens have the right and duty to influence society by their civic and political involvement. The right and the duty, it's not an option. You have a duty to do it. To sit back and let others participate in the public life of the nation, especially at a moment when the principles of natural law and morality are ignored or openly opposed, would be irresponsible. It is true that the democratic system has its weak points. We would all agree. That's me saying that. Continuing the quote. But it gives the power of governance to the numerical majority rather than to what is right and good. End quote. Now, let's think about this. This is a major problem with democracy. Plato and Aristotle recognize this. Socrates as well in the voice of Plato. Why should the laws what is defined as right and wrong and good and moral, why should that be decided by a majority vote? Let's take it a next one step further. Why should male and female be decided by a majority vote? Why should what is taught about human sexuality be a majority vote? That's a problem. You might say, well, how else are we going to base? How about we base it 
on natural law and the one true religion revealed by Jesus Christ. Well, you can't push your theology on people. And I know you can't make people be Catholic. You can't make people get baptized. You can't make people go to confession. It's true. But you can create laws that reflect natural law and divine law. That's what Catholics have done. As soon as Constantine announced that he was going to favor the Christians, and as soon as there were emperors and kings who said, I want to be baptized, they began to enact laws, for example, to honor Sunday, which is the day we go to Mass, the day we worship God. They ingrained these into civil law. And we should do the same. I know it's not fashionable to say that, but we should. Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano also says, towards the end of his answer here, as soon as people understand that a silent coup is happening, they will have to react and oppose the dictatorship before they are deprived of other fundamental rights. So Archbishop Vigano, if you've studied him, you know he believes that we are falling towards a great reset. The great reset is something that George Soros and other billionaires and elites want. That is, they want to destroy the prior order that was based on Christianity, Christendom. And they want to create something new. It is the tattooed motto of the Baphomet idol on one forearm, Salve, on the other forearm, um, Coagula dissolve, break apart, and rebuild. That is the message of the occult. It is the message of Freemasonry. It is the message of Satanism. It is the message of the New World Order. It is the goal of the United Nations and the EU. Next question that... Uh, Volley asks Archbishop Vigano, he says, in your appeal for an anti-globalist alliance, you have called rulers, political and religious leaders, intellectuals and people of goodwill to unite, inviting all of them to join together in, a, in issuing an anti-globalist manifesto. Can you update us on the latest developments with this initiative in Italy and elsewhere? And then Archbishop Vigano explains, he says, I issued an appeal in order to respond to the globalist tyranny. And I see that interest and support for it is growing from many different quarters in various nations. I believe, however, that the evidence of who was responsible for the Russian-Ukrainian crisis and the folly of insisting on provocations rather than seeking peace will make many people understand the danger to which they are exposing are exposed if they do not organize in order to firmly resist the deep state coup. I know in the United States, the initiative has found a warm reception not only among Republicans, but also among many Democrat voters who are disgusted by the scandals and corruption of Obama, the Clintons, and the Bidens. All right, I'm going to skip a little bit here. And I'm going to go down to uh, Vigano's commentary on a call to prayer and a call to penance and fasting and the sacraments. He says, priests, religious, and all the faithful are therefore called to spiritually accompany their brothers and sisters in the good fight, not only with prayer, but also with penance, fasting, and frequent reception of the sacraments. The mercy of God and the powerful intercession of the most blessed Virgin await a concrete gesture for us of true conversion in order to pour out the torrent of graces on poor humanity. Thus, our numerical inferiority and our lack of means before the enemy will provide an opportunity for the Lord to show the truth of his words. Sine me nihil potestist facere. Without me, you can do nothing. I wanted to read that because in a lot of political movements, political speeches, we hear the same things about human rights and human dignity and fighting for freedom and fighting for values. But Catholics have an obligation, have a calling in this world 
when they talk about politics or economics or any of these things, we must always infuse into it the calling for true worship, true sacraments, prayer, public recognition of Jesus Christ as the king over the social order. We can't be neutral when it comes to religion. We cannot be neutral when it comes to Jesus Christ. It was always the glory and the honor of Catholic monarchs to publicly recognize Jesus Christ, marry the saints on their coat of arms, in their own chapels, amongst the people, in processions, in the presence of the bishops and the clergy, even in their coronations with the metropolitan archbishops and sometimes even the Pope present. This is the Catholic social order. This is Catholic politics. Being ambiguous and saying things like spirituality, houses of prayer, religion is not enough. Catholic political leaders must be Catholic. They must be making the sign of the cross in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, attending the Holy Sacrifice, the Mass, and recognizing Christ the King on their coat of arms or whatever it is that represents their political power, which comes from Jesus Christ. It doesn't come just by a majority vote. Political authority comes from God. That's what Jesus said even to Pontius Pilate when he was getting judged and condemned. And Archbishop Vigano rightly reminds us, he exhorts us that it's about, as he lists it, prayer, penance, fasting, and frequent reception of the sacraments. That is what Catholics must do as they enter into the public square. The next question regards Bergoglio. That is Pope Francis. More and more we're seeing that Archbishop Vigano does not refer to Pope Francis as Pope Francis. He omits Pope. And he refers to him as Bergoglio. And he refers to those who follow Bergoglio as the Bergoglian Church. Here's Archbishop Vigano, quote, The complicity of the Bergoglian Church and the entire world episcopate with the psychopandemic farce marked one of the most one of the lowest points of the hierarchy in the entire history of the church, says Vigano. Quote, but this is the logical consequence of a corrupt and corrupting ideology that finds its basis in Vatican II, and its creators are proud to reiterate. This, I think, is the real reason why people have backed away from Archbishop Vigano. Not so much the politics. I think most people can look around and see, yeah, globalism is on the rise. But Archbishop Vigano has been increasingly not just critical of Pope Francis, but questioning whether he is a valid pope at all, which is a question that I discuss frequently and openly here on the Dr. Taylor Marshall podcast. I think it's one reason why people want to listen, because we are honest. How can it be that a man who brings idols into St. Peter's Basilica is the vicar of Christ? How is that? How can a man teach heresy to, in the presence of, to the church. I know it's not ex cathedra, but how can it be that heresy resounds in the Vatican? These are questions that every good Catholic asks themselves. How can it be? Vigano is becoming more and more clear on this topic. And here he talks about the complicity of the Bergoglian church in the entire world episcopate with what he calls the psycho-pandemic farce. And he says, 
This is the logical consequence of a corrupt ideology coming from where? He says coming from Vatican II. And this is the second reason why people are moving away from Archbishop Vigano. He's questioning the validity of Pope Francis as a true and valid Pope. And secondly, he's saying Vatican II is a corrupting ideology. And for most people, most Catholics, they're just like, that's, that's too far, Vigano. Remember, remember when Archbishop Vigano came out with his first 11-page paper, exposing McCarrick, exposing Cardinal Whirl, exposing Francis, kind of lifting the veil for all of us lay people to see what's really going on in the Catholic Church in Washington, D.C., and in Rome, and back and forth, and back and forth. And you'll remember at that time, 2018, 2019, everyone was like, V is for Vigano, Vigano t-shirts, Vigano for Pope. There was a Archbishop Vigano frenzy. It was like Beatlemania. It was Viganomania, especially here in the United States of America. Everybody loved Archbishop Vigano. But then he started talking about Vatican II. Francis as Bergoglio, and people said, oh, he's a crazy uncle. And all of that also happened during 2020 and 2021. And we all know that we were all locked up and locked down, depending on where you lived. Wearing things on our face and being told that we have to put things in our body nonstop. And guess who was against all that? Archbishop Vigano. And that was an, that's kind of maybe the third thing. But I really think it's the first two things. It's his criticism of Bergoglio and his criticism of Vatican II. Because those things came out first and people said, oh, I don't know about this. Other talking heads on YouTube and in podcasts started saying, I don't know about Vigano anymore. And then when it all came out, the pandemic stuff, then they're really not against him. So I think it's interesting that Archbishop Vigano is really doubling down here against his critics. He goes on and talks about how on March 25th, which is the day that there was the Ukraine-Russian consecration in Rome, that there was, in Chicago, a meeting to coordinate a... Mar right, I'm starting a new stream because, unfortunately, I lost my original stream. But hopefully, yep, okay, we got 12, 1,270 people back, so we're back. Sorry, I don't know what happened. This has been happening more on, on YouTube. Uh, so, yeah, he's talking about what's going on in Chicago, and there's this idea now that anyone who opposes Bergoglio is opposing Vatican II. And we see this in Traditionus Custodis, right, that the crown jewel here is Vatican II. So what they're saying is, well, if you like the Latin Mass, that means secretly you don't like Vatican II, and that's what's bad about you. And he's saying the same thing now is if you're critical of Bergoglio, you're not really critical of Bergoglio. That's understandable. You're critical of Vatican II, and that's bad. Stop doing that. Uh, the next part is the part I already covered earlier this week. I'd encourage you to go watch that show. I did a whole treatment on Bergoglio talking about the problem with the College of Cardinals and the memorandum about the crimes, the errors, the misdeeds of Bergoglio. Actually, why don't I just, I'll just, I won't do the commentary because I've already done the commentary, but I'll just read it for those of you that haven't heard it yet. And then after this podcast video, you can go listen to the one that was like, what, three, four days ago and get the full, my full commentary. But here's what Vigano says, quote, this memorandum lists the horrors of the Bergoglian pontificate and pontificate has scare quotes. Doing so is already a step forward compared to extolling him, but the horrors and errors of the Argentine in his court did not appear out of nowhere as if in the preceding pontificates, everything was perfect and wonderful. The crisis began with Vatican II. Deploring the symptoms of an illness without understanding its causes is a useless and harmful operation. If the College of Cardinals is not persuaded that it is necessary to return to what the church believed, taught, and celebrated up until 
Pius Twelfth, all opposition to the present regime will be doomed to a certain failure, end quote. And I broke that whole answer down in depth on the previous podcast. You can go to Dr. Taylor Marshall on YouTube and watch it there. In particular, I focused on the importance of him listing Pius Twelfth, who died in 1958, as being the, the watermark, the stopping point, the the point in 1958, the point being where everything seemed to start spinning out of control faster and faster and faster. Of course, that all relates to, in my mind, and I think Vigano would agree, with Our Lady of Fatima asking for the third secret to be revealed in 1960. Our Lady knew that in 1960 is when we needed the third secret. And of course, that third secret was not revealed to the world. I explain why in my book, Infiltration, which you can get on Amazon. The next part was the scandalous part. This is the part from this interview that went viral. It was on headlines. Liberal Catholics were quoting it. Conservative, traditional Catholics were quoting it. This is where Archbishop Vigano said, we got to investigate. I want a full investigation on the abdication of Ben the 16th the frauds of the 2013 conclave, and I need a cardinal to step up and do it. Should I read this part? I'll read the first part. Vigano says, certain popes, let's not forget, are granted to the church. Others are inflicted. But before discussing the next conclave, it is necessary to shed light on the abdication of Benedict XVI and the question of the manipulation of the 2013 conclave which sooner or later ought to be the subject of an official investigation. If there proves to be any evidence of irregularity, the conclave would be null and void. Oh, sorry. I added the word void just because I'm an American. It would be null and the election of Bergoglio would be null, just as his appointments, acts of government, and magisterial utterances would be null. It would be a great reset that would providentially bring us back to the status quo ante, that is the status quo previously, with a college of cardinals composed only of those cardinals who were appointed up until the time of Benedict XVI, ousting all those who have been created since 2013, who are notoriously ultra-progressive. Certainly the present situation with all the rumors circulating about Ratzinger's resignation and Bergoglio's election does not help the ecclesial body and creates confusion and disorientation among the faithful. And you can say that again, Archbishop Vigano. More and more lay people, and yes, priests. I have heard priests say, we'll be talking about things in the church and something Pope Francis, and they'll say, if he's really the Pope. And I'm like, whoa. I mean, we're not talking about Sedevic Conte clergy. We're talking about mainstream clergy, say, if he's really the Pope. Because all of us who love Christ and love the papacy and love the vicar of Christ are confused how the vicar of Christ would say something like, God wills the plurality of religions. In the same sentence that they, he says, God wills the two sexes, male and female. It's not just passive will here. That's an act of will. How does that fit? How does a Morris Laetitia fit with previous magisterial teaching about sacrament of marriage and the Eucharist and the sacrament of penance? What about his teaching on February 2nd that you can commit apostasy, heresy, and you cannot separate yourself from the communion of saints and from the church. Even though Pope Pius Twelfth, who we just mentioned, says exactly the obvious, opposite. He says there's three sins that remove you from the church. Heresy, schism, and apostasy. One more little addition here. Archbishop Vigano says, Here too, Catholics can implore the divine mercy to spare his church further humiliations by granting her a good pope. If there is a cardinal that really wants to change the tune, 
let him come forward. And for the love of God, may he stop referring to Vatican II and instead think of the sanctification of the clergy and the faithful, end quote. So he's calling for a cardinal. And I went in in the previous show, which I'm not going to talk about too much today. I think this is directed to Cardinal Burke. It's my personal opinion. Who else so far has issued a dubia to Pope Francis, is traditional, values the Latin Mass, and is considered one of the top canon lawyers and jurists in the whole world? It's Cardinal Burke. I can't think of any other cardinal who would fit this call. I talk about that in the previous show. I'm going to move on now to what Vigano says about Donald Trump. Because here the interview turns towards the United States. And he's asked the question, in the United States, the Biden administration is increasingly in trouble and the president is increasingly showing his inadequacy. And yet, because of alliances and intersection of interests at the highest level, it seems impossible to bring down this house of cards. What is Trump doing? Can you help us better understand the American situation on which you are an expert? Archbishop Vigano says, the Biden administration is a mirror of the corruption that prevails generally in public affairs with no regard to the immutable moral principles of the gospel. And if a politician who favors abortion, euthanasia, gender ideology, and all the worst deviations declares to call himself a Catholic, we must ask what is the responsibility of teachers, educators, and priests by whom this politician was formed? What did his parish priest teach him in catechism lessons? What did his professor at his Catholic university teach him? What guidance did the future political leader's spiritual director give him? And this brings us back to our starting point, Vatican II, which instead of converting the world to the church, converted the church to the world, says Archbishop Vigano. Why is it, I tweeted this earlier this week, why is it that conservative American politicians tend to be evangelical Protestants? And when you look, when you just throw up a hundred Catholic politicians and go down the line, almost all of them, almost, not all, almost all of them are liberals who are promoting all the sins that he just listed. They're at the forefront, even AOC, Catholic. Nancy Pelosi, of course, Biden, notorious. Why is it? Today, I, I tweeted out, by the way, you can follow me on Twitter, Taylor R. Marshall, all one word. I tweeted out, remember when popes excommunicated Catholic heads of state? If you read church history, it happens over and over again. Popes exercised their authority over Catholic laymen who were crowned kings and princes and archdukes and dukes. Even publicly excommunicating them for crimes and sins that were not as notorious as the sins he lists here, like abortion, euthanasia, gender ideology. Trans, LMNOP, men in women's bathrooms, women in men's bathrooms, all kinds of things being taught to kindergartners, not only in their classroom, but also when they flip on the Disney Channel. Y'all know what I'm talking about. After Vatican II, it was almost universally taught that the Catholic Church is not the one true religion and the one true church. The church subsists in the Catholic Church. 
Catholic Church is just kind of, it's business class. It's the kind of the better way to go to heaven, but all the other seats get you to heaven. If you're a really nice Buddhist person, you're good. Because as Bishop Barron tells you, there are lesser lights of truth in Buddhism. And if you believe in those lesser lights, well, in reality, you're believing in the gospel. So you're saved through the truths in Buddhism or Islam or Hinduism and pick a religion. I mean, is there anything true in Satanism? Maybe you can be saved through Satanism, too, if there's one little nugget of truth that you believe in. This is nonsense. This is not how Catholics thought for 1,960 years. They believe the Catholic Church was the one true church founded by Jesus Christ on earth, led by the successor of St. Peter, who was the vicar of Christ, and that the Catholic Church could never change. Not one iota, not one jot or tittle on faith or morals. Period. That's it. Close the book. No more discussion. And we believed that missionaries, we spent our money donating to missionaries to go out into the farthest mountains and jungles and beaches of the whole world to sacrifice their life as living oblations to preach and baptize every last human being on earth. Jesuits, I know that's kind of a bad word nowadays, but Jesuit priests were going out into India and Indonesia and Japan and China, Africa, Dominicans and Franciscans as well, and the Holy Ghost Fathers, like Archbishop Lefebvre, risking their lives with disease and martyrdom to preach the Apostles' Creed to non-believers, to bring them into the household of God, which is the Catholic Church, by sacramental baptism, pouring water on their foreheads and saying, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, and giving them the Holy Sacrifice, the Mass, giving them bishops and clergy. These men spent themselves, they burned themselves down like candles to the very last wick. Do they do that anymore after Vatican II? No, we, you know what we do? We dialogue. We have these meetings where we get together with um, Buddhists and Hindus and Muslims and our Jewish friends, and we sit in a circle and we talk about spirituality and the importance of prayer and human dignity. And then everybody hugs and takes a picture. And usually, for some reason, the Hindus and the Buddhists get to like put their tokens on our clergy and they always take a picture and it's embarrassing. So instead of the church converting the world, the world is converting the church. Instead of Catholicism being the one true faith, now it's just one more item on the buffet. It's the red jello. You like green jello instead of red jello? Well, you just pick which one you want. No one is going to tell you that it's the better option, the only option. Outside the church, there is no salvation. Archbishop Vigano says, quote, There was much talk of the missionary church, but simultaneously preaching became the propaganda of the fatuous philanthropic ideals, tired leftist ideologies, and empty pacifist slogans. How many times have you been to church and heard sermons about the latest politically correct agenda item? It's tiring. It's exhausting. Or even when they put it in the Novus Ordo in to the prayers of the people. Unbelievable. Archbishop Vigano says, And behold, what has emerged from those Jesuit schools, the creme de la creme of Vatican II, people like Pelosi and Biden, who have nothing Catholic about them but present, present themselves with impunity to receive communion to the applause of bishops, and even Bergoglio himself. Now he turns his attention back to Trump, who's not a Catholic. Trump's not perfect. I got major, major problems with Trump and with the campaign. But when I look at Biden, I'm like, my goodness. Here's what Vigano says. 
the American Episcopate, the bishops, too careful to please Brocolio, has indeed been very careful not to, to condemn the Democratic Party platform, even though it did not hesitate to lash out against President Trump, who, even with his contradictions, definitely defended the principles of natural law and the sanctity of life in a more effective and convinced way. Okay. I mean, we have to also recognize that President Trump promoted LMNOP, which just chapped my hide the whole time. Not a fan of that. But yes, if we're looking at two fallen men who were given to us by a corrupt primary system, the Democratic primary and the Republican primary, we were given two choices, Biden or Trump. Obviously, if y'all watch my podcast and you follow me, you know where I weighed in, even though it was an imperfect and disappointing decision. Now he goes into the Russian situation. He says, the Russian-Ukrainian crisis is showing us a Biden who is a puppet of the deep state, stubbornly preventing peace in the present conflict because he is too concerned with covering up his own scandals and those of his son, Hunter Biden. I'm thinking, for example, of Burisma and the American interest in biolabs in Ukraine. If the evidence leads to indictment of Hunter Biden and proves the involvement of his father, Joe, impeachment will be inevitable and amply justified, and this could lead Trump back into power. If, in the meantime, the ongoing investigations demonstrate that there was electoral fraud in 2020, Trump could be proclaimed tech, uh, president. And this would be a mortal blow for the deep state and the Great Reset. Yes, this would be a mortal blow, but I'm not holding my breath, honestly, as an American, for any of these things. I mean, we had a whole Jeffrey Epstein <laughs> Uh, trial and a huge scandal. I'm not even going to go into the words because we're on YouTube. But none of those people went to jail. None of those people were exposed. The media covered up all of those stories about the island and the airplanes and who was on the list. It's all disappeared in the thin air. If they can do that for a bunch of movie stars and famous people, and B-level celebrities, you don't think that the global machine is going to do that to acquit Hunter Biden and Joe Biden if there's something there? Come on. They've thought of all of this way before we thought of it because that's what criminals do. When criminals are going to commit crimes, they always figure out many possible outs. I mean, look at the Italian mafia. They almost always got out of it. They had to get, uh, who's the famous mafia boss? I uh, can't remember his name. Let me know in the super chat, uh, in the in the chat. By the way, if you do a super chat, I'm going to try to be, uh, try to answer those super chats if there are questions. So if you have a question, I'm going to try to keep my eyes over there if you have a super chat. Um, if I see it, I'm going to try to be uh, more on top of answering any super chats in the in the chat. But who was the mafia boss? They had to finally get him on tax evasion. Not on crimes, because that's how criminals work. That's how criminals work. Al Capone, thank you. It's Al Capone. Slinky Duck, thank you for letting me know. Al Capone. Good. All right, I'm going to jump down here. How are we doing on our time today? Oh, we're in the, in the, I don't have the right time because we broke our stream, so I don't know how long it's been going here. But I am going to try to wrap it up here a little bit. I'm going to jump towards the end. This is the answer to his critics. He says, there's a lot of people saying Archbishop Vigano is too concerned about politics and economics and the, and the jab and uh, the medical industry and all that. Shouldn't he just get back to theology, doctrine, pastoral practice? Come on, Archbishop, get back in your lane. Otherwise, you're turning into the crazy uncle, Archbishop Vigano. So, here is what Archbishop Vigano says to his critics, and we'll end with this. He says the sectorization that is creating sectors of competency is an excellent tool with which the adversary decides motu proprio with his own motion, with his own hand, what his interlocutor is authorized to say, 
when he can say, and what qualifications he must have in order to open his mouth. Who exactly has decided that a bishop may not intervene in political matters? asked Archbishop Vigano. Secularists, and among Catholics, those who curiously allow ultra-progressive bishops and clergy to ramble on, who swoon if Bergoglio speaks against Trump or in favor of Trudeau, but who tear their garments if a bishop does not please the system or does not follow the narrative in any way that is unified with an aligned thinking. So what he's saying is, is look, you can't say to a bishop, oh, you can only preach sermons. You can only talk about theology. You can talk about the Nicene Creed. But anything going on in the public world, in politics, economics, you can't talk about that. That's not your sector. That's not your specialization. So shut up. And he says, what's well, kind of a double standard because James Martin says stuff about politics all the time and everybody just gets up and golf claps. Bergoglio weighs in all the time in American politics. I mean, look at the southern border. Everyone applauds. What a good message. That's weighing into politics. And then he brings up one of my favorite saints, St. Ambrose. And this, I think, is a slam dunk. And I'm really actually proud of Archbishop Vigano, the way he answers this part of the interview. He says, I do not think that St. Ambrose, who moreover came from a career in public administration, and was acclaimed as a bishop when he was still a layman, would have ever had a scruple about intervening in political questions. For a bishop is a shepherd, and among the sheep of the flock that the Lord has assigned to him, there are both the humble and the powerful, subjects and rulers, men and women, honest citizens as well as delinquents. They are all sheep to be led into good pastures and to be protected from the wolves, end quote. I mean... President Biden is a sheep, just like Taylor Marshall is a sheep. We belong to the sheepfold. And bishops should speak into our lives. There is no realm, no subject. I lost you again, but we're back. Let's see if we get back here. Yeah, we're back. Okay. Does that mean that the mayor... Or the bishop become no, is the spiritual authority of the local bishop. In other words, if the mayor were a Catholic, is he under the spiritual guidance of the bishop of Dallas? Yes, he is. Just as the Holy Roman Emperor was under the spiritual guidance and shepherd staff of the Pope. This is traditional Catholic teaching. See, in Vatican II, we kind of introduce this whole separation of church and state separation from public uh, secular world and the sort of privatized spiritual church world. No, 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 no. That's not Catholic. Yet we're back in action. We're back in action. All right. And then towards the end here, Archbishop Vigano, he gives a farewell talking about Lent. Um, he issues this in uh, the fifth Sunday of Lent, Passion Sunday in the traditional calendar, uh, culminating in the sacred triduum. He says, let us keep a good Lent, a complete Lent, awaiting, preparing for the resurrection of Christ. And he says, let us contemplate the painful scourging at the pillar, the crowning with thorns, the ascent to Calvary and the crucifixion of our Lord after an unjust and iniquitous sentence carried out by the civil authority in order to please the interests of the high priests, uniting ourselves spiritually to the passion of our most holy Redeemer. May we not allow ourselves to be deceived by those who still today would like to use their authority to condemn our Lord Jesus Christ to death, repeating the words with the crowd on Good Friday, non habemus regem nisi caesarum. We have no king but Caesar, which is the most blasphemous, sacrilegious thing the high priest could say. The king of heaven, the king of Israel, the king of the Jews was standing in front of the high priest. And the high priest committed an, an, an act of adultery against God when he says, we have no king but Caesar. The uncircumcised, idol-worshipping Caesar is our king and not Jesus. And he ripped his vestments, which was against the Mosaic law. I've got a book coming out about this. This is right on topic with my new book. I'm not going to reveal the title though yet. 
All right, that's a wrap. I'm going to get off before this video buffers out again. <sighs> thanks for thanks for watching, and please do subscribe if you're new. Please like the video, and please share it on Facebook. We'll pray a Hail Mary, and I'd like to say that we offer it for Archbishop Vigano, and then we'll sign off. Oremos nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, or pranobis peccatoribus, nunc et or mortis nostre. Amen. Our way of Fatima, pray for us. Nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right, thanks for watching. Pray the rosary every single day or you're not on the team. I'll also be giving away a beautiful, beautiful heirloom quality rosary from Seraphim Rosaries. Absolutely gorgeous work. These are the kind of rosaries that you would give for someone getting married, um, someone getting ordained. They're absolutely gorgeous. They cost several hundred dollars. They're made out of precious metals and stones and all kinds of things. I'll be giving that away for Easter. And it's for everyone who is a patron of the show. If you're a pa Patreon patron, you will be in the drawing. I don't have the picture of it with me right now, but I will show a picture and show you the rosary. It's absolutely gorgeous. If you'd like a chance to win that rosary, go ahead and go to patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. I'll send you some signed books. If you sign up at different levels, uh, some cool merch, coffee mugs, online courses, all kinds of neat things for me to say to you. Thank you for supporting my work. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Thank you for supporting me while I write books. And you can do that and learn more about it if you go to patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. And if you do become a patron, you'll be signed up to win this beautiful rosary uh, in the next week and a half. All right. Thanks everybody for watching. And remember our Lord Jesus Christ is you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and